0: This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
1: Heads up this story contains details of sexual assault that may disturb some listeners. Produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. Hi, Dear Sugar listeners. The Kind World team is back in your feed to share with you a special story we thought the Dear Sugar's listeners would love.
0: If you like what you hear, subscribe to Kind World on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome to Kind World. I'm Andrea Aswahi.
0: And I'm Yasmeen Amr. What happens when asylum seekers make it to the US? Some have sponsors who can help them restart their lives. Someone like a family member who's already in the country.
1: But others have no one. In this week's episode of Kind World, we tell you about our visit to a respite center in San Benito, Texas. Its mission is to never turn anyone away. Nestled next to 10 empty acres of land, are the four small houses that make up the respite center called La Posada Providencia. The staff here can house up to 40 people at a time, sometimes more if they lay extra mattresses on the floors of offices and shared spaces. Still, the most noticeable feature of the property is just how quiet it is. And for a lot of its residents who've left wars, turmoil, or noisy detention centers, that sense of peace is invaluable.
0: Oh, fun nice. you. Yes, I'm Good bad. to see you. Good to see you, too. Hi, hello. Where do you want us? In the
1: kitchen? In the main building, where there's a modest kitchen and dining room, we're greeted by a welcoming and bright 35-year-old woman. She goes by the name Shalom. Do you live here? Do you work here? I live here. I work here. Are you liking it here? Ah, yes, a lot. This is like home. Shalom, who doesn't want to use her real name because her asylum case is still in court proceedings, just finished putting her one-year-old son, Emmanuel, to bed. A little more than a year ago, she never imagined she would be in the U.S. and with a baby on the way.
0: Shalom is from Zimbabwe, a country grappling with extreme economic problems. In 2013, she joined the political opposition movement as an activist.
2: The reason why I joined the movement is because I saw what was happening to my own people. It's like the country is now being divided into two, like tribal.
0: Shalom's tribe is different from that of the ruling majority Shona tribe, the same tribe of the late iron-fisted President Robert Mugabe. In the early 1990s, Zimbabwe was hit by the worst drought in its history. Then several droughts after, they depleted the nation's resources and worsened tensions between the tribes. This is Southern Africa's worst drought in living memory. Bulawayo, Zimbabwe's
2: industrial capital and home to one million people, is running out of water.
0: Officials now,
2: even if my people from my side, even if you are like you are educated, you don't get to to find a better job. The the infrastructures they are going to one side. So that's that's the reason why I joined the movement. I wanted to
0: see change for my kids and for the generations to come. Publicly siding with the opposition group made Shalom a target. Strange men started following her around, and to her home where she lived with her 14-year-old son and 4-year-old daughter. She thought adding distance would help protect them, so she moved her family to a nearby town. But that wasn't enough. In December 2017, the strange men showed up at her new home.
2: I just heard the bang, and then the kids, the younger one, started screaming, running to my bedroom, so... While she was, like, running to my bedroom, that's where I came out. And then I saw the two men in in the house, and um, I thought, oh, okay, what else can they take? I only
0: have TV cell phone, and what can they do? At first, Shalom thought the two men were burglars. But when they asked about her activism, she realized it was political. Shalom was beaten and sexually assaulted in front of her children. The men threatened the kids, saying if they screamed, They'd be killed. Shalom was left on the floor of her living room, unconscious and barely breathing. They did what they did, and um, they just
2: left me there. Thank God for my son. She kept on, He kept on pouring water on me. I don't know what came to his mind, and he acted very fast. So uh, when I woke up, we, we had to leave the house because we are not sure whether those people were coming back or not.
0: That's when Shalom made a difficult decision. She decided it would be safer for her whole family if she left the country.
1: First, she fled to South Africa. There, some members of her political group advised her to keep going to Ireland. That's where other political refugees had found safety. And so, for the first time in her life, she boarded an airplane and took off. But when she landed in Dublin, officials there wouldn't let her enter the country— She didn't have the right papers, so all she could do was get back on the plane. So I went to the crew.
2: I told them what had happened. They said, "Okay, we're about to leave. In 10 minutes' time, we are supposed to be out of this country. We are going to L.A. So I remember myself going just blank. I was like, where is L.A.? Oh, my goodness. I started crying. I didn't know anything about the country. It was my first time flying.
1: After an 11-hour flight, Shalom landed in Los Angeles with no one to call to come get her. When she told American officials about the mishap, they took her to a detention center where she stayed for two months. There, she found out she was pregnant. The father was her attacker. Shalom wasn't allowed to leave the detention center without a sponsor, so the only thing she could do was write letters to immigrant groups and shelters around the country, trying to find anyone who could help. Only one letter came back with a yes, from the Catholic Respite Center in San Benito, Texas.
2: La Posada is the one that responded.
1: By grace of God, they paid for the ticket, and
3: uh, here I am. And I remember uh, she came... In mid-March, and she came—she didn't even have a suitcase because her suitcase was lost. So she came with the clothes that she was wearing.
0: That's 85-year-old Sister Zita Talcamp, who's been serving at La Posada since it started 30 years ago. She's seen nearly 10,000 immigrants come through their doors from more than 80 countries. Sister Zita says as soon as Shalom arrived, she immediately tried to find work— selling newspapers, ironing clothes, anything she could do to send money to her two children and mother.
3: She saved every dime she could so that she could send back to Zimbabwe. When I saw how, even though she was pregnant, the week before she delivered, she was out selling newspapers. And just to see, you know, how much she loved her family and how she was able to sacrifice, uh, it was just so uh, powerful.
0: But it wasn't just her family. Shalom wanted to also help people around her, other immigrants living at La Posada, who also escaped harrowing experiences. For me, I'm coming from a different
2: background. As an African child, as an African woman, never, never mind what happens to you, you have to be strong. So in my mind, I thought, okay, I have to be strong
0: outside, but what is it doing to me, in like, inside? Shalom realized that sharing her story was helping her heal from her own trauma. So she started encouraging other immigrants to share theirs, too. Together, they talk about their journeys, their struggles, and their hopes for the future. She called these sessions the Journey Project. People were broken.
2: So if you see that someone uh, going through what they are going through or their flashbacks, so it's kind of like said, because I've been there, I know... What is like, so that's not easy.
0: Recently, Shalom worked with La Posada staff to bring in a licensed counselor for those who really need to talk to an expert. She says helping others through their trauma is her way of giving back to the center.
2: Because if it wasn't for La Posada, I don't know what was going to happen to me. And for all what they are doing for my brothers and sisters, really, we really thank God. Ever since I stepped my foot here, they've
1: been there. Shalom says she has a lot to look forward to. Recently, Sister Zita taught her how to drive, and she can't wait to get her license once she gets her immigration papers. I'm the first person in my family to drive, and
2: I hope and pray that God will keep my mom alive one day we meet, and uh, I'll drive her around.
1: Shalom is now one of 11 full-time staff members at La Posada. She works as an assistant. And when she's not working, she's buried in a large stack of books at her desk with her smiley toddler Emmanuel by her side. He's her only family here, for now. Shalom wants to get her GED and then a nursing degree. She wants to build a stable life for her son and a life that helps her one day reunite with the family she was forced to leave behind. We'll have more after the break. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me On Point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to Kind World. I'm Yasmin Amr. And I'm Andrea
1: Aswahe. In the first part of today's episode, we heard from Shalom and Sister Zita at La Posada Providencia, a long-term respite shelter in southern Texas. Places like La Posada sponsor legal asylum seekers and migrants who arrive in the U.S. with no one to house or look out for them.
0: So people can stay for months or a year or more at shelters like La Posada. But for asylum seekers and migrants who do have family or a sponsor in the U.S., they may just need a night or two before they head off to their new homes. That's where places like Good Neighbor Settlement House in Brownsville, Texas, step in.
1: Good Neighbor was once just a homeless shelter, but now it's also been designated as a short-term respite shelter for those granted legal entry into the U.S.
3: This is only for the people that have been lucky enough to make it here into Good Neighbor. We have helped 19,540 people in one year have walked through our doors to get help. They've come from 27 different countries all over the world. So it's just not Central and South America.
0: That's Marianella Watson. She's a native of Brownsville, Texas, and a former early childhood teacher. She retired a couple years ago. But last August, Marianella started volunteering at Good Neighbor. And this year, she became the respite director. Now she works six days a week and sometimes up to 10 hours a day. She provides legal asylum seekers with what may be their first meal, first shower, and first set of fresh clothes in the U.S. When they get here, we give them hygiene kits. Everybody gets handed a toothbrush. We have
3: razors. We have feminine pads. We have baby diapers, baby wipes. I mean, the list goes on. Some people rather eat first, and some people rather shower first. The majority want to shower, but we get them to sit down. We give them clean clothes. We really try to make them feel welcome. Good Neighbor is a place where
1: asylum seekers are able to sit down, take a breath, and gather some necessities before heading off to their destinations. But that's not all they do. We find
3: out what state they're going to, we highlight it, and we tell them, these are the numbers you can call to ask about a free lawyer. Then we show them uh, this paper, which are frequently asked questions by them. And then this is just their rights, because they do have rights and a lot of them don't know they do.
0: Marianella even developed this special map of the U.S. that shows asylum seekers where they're going and if they'll need to transfer buses or get on a connecting flight. She and her staff really try to be as helpful as they can to new migrants. I think
3: we're going that way. We're walking back over to the... um Room.
1: And we're not I the only ones you, who've noticed just how kind and how essential these people are. While we were there, Marianela showed us all of the donated items they've received from all around the country. Shelves stacked with clothes for men and women and children, shoes, socks, underwear. Even small things you don't really think about, like belts and shoelaces. Both of which are taken by Border Patrol during
0: processing. <laughs> You know, I think what probably struck us the most about Marianella and Good Neighbor is how deeply she and her staff are committed to their mission of helping every person who comes through their door.
1: Marianella treasures every minute she spends helping to make each asylum seeker's first days in America a little better. She says this work is her calling.
3: I love what I'm doing and I love to see their faces when they're getting the help that they need and to encourage them. And tell the young boys and girls when they're leaving, échale ganas y y aprende mucho en la escuela, to give it all you got and learn all you can, and to bless them and hope that they do get asylum. And I guess this is what I was meant to do.
1: If you want to learn more about Good Neighbor Settlement House, we've got a link on our website, wbur.org slash kindworld.
0: This is the last episode in our special three-part series, Lifelines, Stories of Compassion from the Southern Border. Make sure to go back and listen to the first two episodes to hear more of our reporting from Brownsville, Texas, and Matamoros, Mexico. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to Kind World on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.